back here on Mining Stock Daily. Trevor Hall, your host here with another corporate update to get you through on Wednesday. Happy to welcome in, well, back onto the show, George Ogilvy, CEO of Arizona Sonoran Copper. Uh, George, it's been hey, a week since morning, I've talked to you. <laughs> yeah. how's, how's your week been? I was having withdrawal symptoms there. I'm glad you reached out. <laughs> ah, yeah, the, the, the feeling's mutual, my friend. Uh, we are, I, I know it, it's a quick turnaround here, but there's uh, important news out from the Cactus Mine area in Arizona. Uh, we talked about it last week while I was on site for the site visit there about the importance of exploration for the Parks Salier area. Uh, you have put out news just uh, yesterday uh, providing results uh, from drilling there. Uh, a couple highlights, 200 feet of 0.86% copper, uh, 440 feet of 0.92% copper. Uh, those are, you know, we're going to talk about some of those levels of mineralization within this. And then also there's a molybdenum kicker in here. So we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, you know, Let's get the general sense, the general scope of the progress of drilling at Park Salier, and, and, and why is this important? How do these results uh, really kind of boost the project in general? Yeah. Well, as you may remember, we announced late last year in December with our 2022 budgets that we were going to undertake a $3 million exploration campaign initially on Park Salier. And that would involve the drilling of uh, 12 additional holes. So we released two of those holes in uh, February of this year. And uh, the latest two holes are a follow-up to those. And uh, hole number ECP057 essentially was drilled 500 feet west of hole 45 and 500 feet north of ECP number 19, which was drilled uh, early last year. And uh, hole number ECP65, which we also released, was drilled 700 meters, 700 feet west of hole 42 and 400 feet north of hole S201. So these push-out holes are five to 700 feet to the west and, and the north, and they've had significant mineralization. So it's showing that the system has continuity and obviously it's beginning to you know have some size as far as the width and the strike length is concerned uh, i i think it's important to kind of talk about the layers of mineralization here this is something i picked up from the site trip last week and i don't know if we explicitly spent a whole lot of time discussing it last week when you and i were chatting uh, but you have three layers of mineralization you have the oxide layer an enriched layer underneath that, and below enriched you have primary. Now, if we take a look at hole 57, the oxide layer is what, that was the 200 feet of 0.86% copper. Enriched hit 300 feet of 1.23% copper, and that primary level below was 427 feet of 0.19% copper. Can you describe, you know, in layman's terms, for people who are maybe unfamiliar, uh, I think most people understand what the oxide layer is, but can you describe to us what the enriched layer is made up of and the primary layer below that? Yeah, well, the enriched layer is made up, made up of a, a chalcosite, um, which is a copper sulfide, and essentially as the leach cap has, has leached, the oxide cap has leached, that copper has sort of come down the formation 
and has gone into the uh, supergene area and changed the chemical composition. That's why we see much higher grades uh, within the enriched area for the mineralization. So as part of our PEA that we put out last year, as you know, we're looking at a heat leach operation with a solvent extraction electro winning plant. The two styles of mineralization that we will be uh, aggressively going after as part of our PFS and bankable feasibility study is essentially the oxide and the enriched material. There is a possibility at some juncture down the line, if copper remains at these prices, that there will be some form of trade-off study done where we actually look at going after the primary uh, uh, material as well, which is a calcopyrite. And what needs to be done for that processing? Can you open that up for discussion? Well, typically in the past, uh, you know, calcopyrites, primary sulfides have been uh, mined and milled using a conventional uh, uh, copper concentrator. That's what a Sarco had back in the 70s and 80s when they actually mined on this property. So that, that would be an option for us to consider that. Typically, they cost a lot more money than just a, a simple heat leach SXEW plant. There are a couple of groups out there, however, uh, Jetty Technologies and Newton, which is a subsidiary of Rio Tinto, that have been experimenting with um, some patented technology for the heat leach of a primary sulfide. I would say that that technology is very much in its infancy, but it's not to say that over the next you know, five to 10 years that it doesn't become proven. That, that would be very much a game changer for the industry if you could heat leach a primary sulfide, uh, but we're not quite there yet as, a, as an industry. Okay. Uh, last point I wanted to hit on with these latest drill results is the depth here. Now, I think in the news release, if I recall right, you, you mentioned it's looking like a potential underground type of operation for Perk Salier. Uh, we mentioned, we talked about this last week about how you're open to maybe looking at an underground operation uh, to get things off in the PFS. So that's, that's, on the table. Yep. Uh, how does this kind of fit into that discussion, uh, long-term discussion for the project? Well, it fits in perfectly with our thinking. The, the top of the mineralization is encountered approximately a thousand feet or 300 meters below the surface. That's when initially we hit the oxide cap. And as you've rightly pointed out, you know, from the, uh, the intersections, we then see an additional 1,000 to 1,500 feet of, of total mineralization as a deposit goes down to two to 2,500 feet below surface. So at 1,000 feet below surface, it's not open pitable. Uh, we would have to access the deposit, you know, uh, from underground. And the current thinking is, is that if we're putting in a ramp system to Cactus East, then it would be very uh, easy to drive across a two-kilometer haulage drift uh, into Park Salia once it's fully drilled out and it's in reserves and uh, we could start mining you know through that haulage drift and bring the material up through uh, Cactus East. Uh, any how long how long of a drift would you have to go from mm -hmm. Cactus East to Park Salia? Well two kilometers and you know using five to six thousand US dollars a meter you could see that that would be ten to twelve million dollars in capex at some future juncture to, to access Park Salier. It 
Bear in mind, however, though, that if you were putting a ramp in from surface above park salier, uh, let's just assume that the, you know, the vertical height is, is 300 metres, but 300 metres on a 15% decline would essentially be about 1.7, 1.8 kilometres of entire development, and that would only bring you into the top of the deposit. So the capital cost is going to be very similar. The beauty of driving across from Cactus East, uh, once you've drilled out Park Salier, is that you can come into the deposit right in the guts of it, right in the heart of where the, uh, the highest grade is, and then you can start mining up and down at the same time. Whereas if you come from surface and you're coming into the very top of the deposit, essentially you're mining from the bottom down and uh, with a single heading access. So there are productivity gains as well for driving a haulage drift across eventually from the Cactus East ramp. Would, I, pardon my naivete, but would there be mineralization while you're doing that drift? I mean, would you be mining that or literally just kind of driving the drift through? Uh, potentially. I mean, you, 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 you can get these uh, halos, obviously, in these large deposits, and there can be mineralization that, you know, isn't economically viable, let's say, for, uh, for stoping for production mining. But you know, if you can uh, sort of skirt through the peripheries of it, you know, sometimes that, that low-grade mineralization, you can bring that to surface and, you know, put it on a pad and uh, it might pay for your uh, for your development costs. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, just curious at all. Uh, so, you know, a lot of moving parts here with the project and obviously the latest results uh, from the drill head at Park Salier um, yeah. are beneficial for the... Uh, future of the project uh also beneficial for the future of the project uh, funny story uh, that you know that morning last week before we traveled to site uh it was downpouring <laughs> i mean it was like a torrential downpour uh i've, I've never it's been a long time since i've seen so much rain anywhere let alone the uh, desert of arizona but uh it, and i don't think we talked about this uh, enough last week but uh, you did, you were granted the, an amended aquifer protection permit or an APP. Uh, this is important for multiple reasons, uh, not only for the use of the water, but you know, there's a couple of water structures within the project that you're able to pull from. But really, this all comes back down to uh, federal permitting. So I'll let you, you know, kind of give us yep. the background of the APP and why this is important. Yep. So the company had an aquifer protection permit, but it was only for the mining of the surface stockpile. And of course, in the last year, our plans have changed to not just include the mining of the surface stockpile, but ultimately there's going to be a pet layback. And as we've just discussed, there's going to be an underground component. So the company applied for an amended aquifer protection permit in the middle of October of last year. Bear in mind with this project, uh, it's all on private land and we have um, a, a jurisdictional determination survey by the US Army Corps of Engineers, which has verified that there are no WOTUS or waters of the United States. So that gives us uh, basically confirmation that there will not be no federal permits required and therefore no federal regulators are involved in this project. 
So we're only dealing with the state and the local municipality. So dealing with the state, once you apply for a permit, once it is administratively accepted, it essentially starts a clock ticking and within 180 days, which includes a 30-day public consultation period, the regulator must give you a response to your permit. So we applied for the amended APP permit in the middle of October of last year. Within five days, it was administratively accepted, which uh, took us to the 21st of October. And uh, last week, uh, I believe it was the 30th of March, we actually received the physical permit in our office. So essentially that was five months or 150 days to get the permit uh, in place working through the uh, Arizona Department of Environment and Quality. And that'll be the last permit that we will require that has to go through public consultation. Now all the other permits that we'll apply for will follow the same process i.e. once they are administratively accepted within 180 days the state regulator must give us a response and I, I think this is a defining moment for the project and a little bit of a de-risking event because when I market the company of course I always get asked questions on the permitting and how can you get these substantial permits within six months and I walk people through the process and here what I've just described actually happened as per you know what we uh, have communicated in the past and we have every confidence that as we apply for other permits this year it would be the construction and development permit and the mined land reclamation permit which will be applied for in the next two to three months once we have a line of sight on our pre-feasibility study and mineable reserves and we would expect those to be administratively accepted sometime in uh, July August of this year and then if you start the 180 day clock ticking from that period of time, it'll bring you to the uh, early 2023 when those permits will be in hand, in time for the bankable feasibility study, in time for project financing, and therefore we're construction and shovel ready to take the project forward in the first half of 2023. Uh, my final question, there, there has been a, a few, uh, speaking of moving parts, uh, federal um the defense protection act was put in place by president biden which puts a little bit more emphasis on uh battery metal uh production and exploration in the united states so that we got news of that after i had left the site last week um and so i'm just curious i know i'm just kind of spurring this question on you but have you looked into that what does that mean for a project such as cactus in arizona being u.s based exploring and developing a copper project i mean you know i mean it's early days here but any any foresight you might be able to share with us well funnily enough when i reviewed at a very high level uh, that uh, that act um, it doesn't state that copper is one of those uh, sort of critical uh, you know commodities I think uh, nickel and lithium is in there, uh, but not copper. But as we all know, you know, copper is, is absolutely going to be required for electrification, for decarbonization. We think the demand for copper, particularly in the U.S., is going to increase exponentially. And I think we're going to see, you know, around the world, um, other traditional suppliers of copper 
are going to run into uh, certain challenges, uh, socio-economic, uh, political uh, uh, challenges. And also, you know, the mines are getting deeper, the grades are getting lower. So uh, those mines become less profitable. And I think if the US can secure copper uh, domestically from within uh, the state of Arizona, which supplies over 70% of the US domestic uh, supply of copper today, I think they're going to grab it with both hands. So that, uh, that's good news for copper companies uh, that are in the, uh, in the US or those that are about to bring projects into production in the next uh, short period of time. All right, George, uh, well, let's leave it at that. Uh, I assume there will be more news out of the Cactus Project in the weeks to come. Uh, so we look forward to catching up with you once again as the spring progresses. And uh, best of luck to you and the team and stay safe there. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, it's George Ogilvie from Arizona Sonoran Copper, trading on the TSX with ASCU and on the OTCQX with ASCUF. They are a sponsor of the podcast. I'm also a shareholder, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back later today with some more content from Mining Stock Daily. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.